0: It's the second cup of Joe and John with Joe Elvis and John Dwyer. Joe! Hello, John.
1: Hello. Hello. Do you ever say, hello?
2: I get thinking about
1: dumb things I've said through
2: the years. And so I'm sitting getting my hair cut on 8th Avenue and I'm looking across the street out the window and there's Zanies the iconic comedy club. And I remember Avenue I moved South. here in 96 and yeah. I remember call, I can never go by or see that sign without thinking. I called one time uh, in like 97, 98 when I first moved here and I had asked him Who, who's, who's there. And they told me, I didn't know. I said, and I just said, well, are they funny? <laughs> and all I hear on the other end of the phone is this, I hear, Sigh.
1: Three shows,
2: 6, <laughs> well, That's not, not what I meant. It's you not know, what I meant. You know, I went, like, like what, what are they like? But yeah. like, I said, hey, it's like calling a restaurant. Hey, you food any good? I mean, what, right. it's st- stupid. What an
1: idiot what, question. What an idiot. You know, Zanies. Uh, I loved Zanies In my KDF radio area, we had KDF Comedy Night short stories. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, comedians are like bands. They need a gig. And Zany's is a hotspot. So you would get great touring uh, comics i saw jay leno three times in his early uh what's my beef days at uh Zany's. They, and they would they come had, in
2: and talk to you on the radio at if i the rock because they needed this the pub pre-
1: that, and you're number one you were the guy it's pre-internet so you didn't have hey just look up.com uh you were torn and you were working hard bands comedians if you wanted to be known you were traveling and Zanies is still there historic 8th avenue south it's just one of nashville's greatest spots
2: do you uh, being a, fi- a a pilot for flexjet captain captain joe did you uh like <laughs> you are going through tsa and they have made a commercial about it so it's the whole uh hey you have a good trip you too
1: oh, you yeah, like no, no no i didn't mean that. no i didn't what <laughs>
2: dumb, do you do you hear some dumb things when you're traveling
1: i think it's more of uh, what people have on them than they that they didn't know <laughs> And when the, the the suitcase goes through and they go <laughs> come over in. here to the side, is that a curling <laughs> iron, ma'am, or something well, what different? What's <laughs> the shape of that <laughs> Two thing? Two-size-D
2: batter. Yeah, anyway, I know. I know by, you our, know what I'm our, saying? Our guest is uh-huh. dying to talk. Let's get him in here.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, we know people. Let's take a spin through Joe and John's Rolodex. He's wondering, what
2: is he doing here? It stops at H. With their first pick in the 1993 NFL draft, the Houston Oilers select... Did I just <laughs> that was do great. a Bobby Brady? Sounds good. I just cracked my pu- puberty. Uh, the Houston Oilers select tackle Brad Hopkins from the University of Illinois. Brad Hopkins is our guest on the second Cup of Joe. And John, Brad, where were you when they said that? Do you remember? Sitting in my living room.
3: Yeah, I was trying to just ignore the whole process. I think there was maybe a year before there was a guy that was actually supposed to go in the first round from the University of Illinois. He, he went undrafted. So I made sure that I wasn't going to be available for cameras or any kind of embarrassing moments like that. So I was actually tossing the pigskin around in my front yard with a dear friend of mine, and uh, I heard my dad yell my name, actually yell the city of Houston from the living room. I came in and was like, what are you talking about, Houston? Because I was supposed to go to the Cleveland Browns.
2: At what pick? What were 14.
3: they? And you were what? What was, 16? I was 13. You were 13? The Oilers had the 18th pick. They traded with the Eagles, who had 13. They traded the, out for they you. They sure did. How about that? They did.
1: And Brad, yeah. what year was that?
3: 1993. So that was pre-internet.
1: So there, oh, yeah. Did w, they have, w, W, W. Did, they didn't have a lot of cameras in on uh, prospects at that time, or did they?
3: No, actually, um, there was a few guys that covered me locally when I was in high school and, of course, went on to college because I played my college ball at the University of Illinois, which wasn't that far a drive. So um, the people that I've been most familiar with from the media were there, just in, in case I did go, because I was supposed to go in the first round. Yeah, whatever. But was I supposed to go to the city of Houston? No. Bill Belichick had, had traveled to Champaign on many occasions, and we watched film together because he wanted to know my thought process. He wanted to know what kind of person I was. And uh, I really grew to like him. I thought he was a really good dude. So it was just no-brainer that I was going to be a Cleveland Brown, which wasn't that far from where I grew up. And I was excited about it. And I knew nothing about the runner shoot. Knew nothing about <laughs> Bruce right. Matthews or Mike Munchak. Chuck and Duck. <laughs> I knew who Warren Moon was. Of course, everybody knows who yeah. Warren Moon was, right? But I had no idea of the brand of football that the city of Houston you know, had, had kind of put out there. Now, this was some very, very talented teams. That the Oilers for at least seven years before I got there had had actually put together. I think they had a run of seven or eight straight years going to the playoffs. So and I still wasn't aware of their gangster before I actually went down there. Oh
1: uh, what that! What a great story. We have so many different directions uh, because you're you are Titans history. You were there from day one. You played all your career in Houston and Tennessee here, so you're you're very unique. Kind of back to that draft status, Do you uh, when you watch it now and your son went through it uh, playing for the Los Angeles Rams in a Super Bowl, we'll get to that as well, but um, what do you think about the cameras on the players? You know, there are the guys that are going to go first three rounds, and Will Levis even went through it because he kept mm-hmm. going down, 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 and here's the camera. In Will's case, though, there was always this great brood of beautiful women around him, but the women changed in every shot. There was always <laughs> <laughs> doing different girls, so that was really the entertainment of it. And even Coach Vrabel, one draft had whatever scene was going on in the background in COVID, which was weird. There'd be different people. Some guy had a Star Trek uniform on. Some guy had a Star Wars uniform. Um, what's your thoughts? I'll get to the question. Do you have, do you have a life? Do you get... watch. You watch the whole damn draft. You watch <laughs> oh, more than the play. Well, you start You're watching. Freak. Oh, we yeah. do because uh, uh, you know, I've been a founding member. I've been there since '99 when they dug the hole for Adelphia. We yeah. went to. Memphis, saw it's y'all in awesome. Vanderbilt and great. So um the, the 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 pressure on these new draft guys, you know, the cameras are there when they're getting drafted and stuff, and these are young kids. Uh how did your son go through that? You you briefed on how you went through mm-hmm. it, but what do you think about the tone and the pressure that these new draftees are getting?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question, Joe. Um, the yeah, media presence, yeah, it really okay. is the the media presence is a huge part of it nowadays. And I think that the example you brought up of Will Levis it really kind of <laughs> epitomizes that. I think that they want to see the drama, the excitement, the emotion that comes along with that. But then, just in case there's that story like Will's that we can capture, that's part of it as well. You know, I never considered going to New York. Um, of course, I don't think I was that high draft pick nor that notable to even be considered you know, guy that would get invited to, uh, I think it was Radio City Music Hall at the time that the draft was being held there. Um, but it's now part of our, our conscience as, a, as an athlete you know, the instant access that the media, that fans, that people have to the athletes nowadays, you can DM your favorite player. Now, whether he responds or not, that's something else. But think about it you had to write letters and send your trading card through the mail to get any sort of correspondence between your favorite player back when I was doing it. I've been delegated to black and white. Yes. You know what I mean? I look at some matter of fact, my, 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 one of my high school buddies, whose son, um, Jalen uh, Bryce, who is the defensive end for the Washington Huskies. I'm supposed to be a day one, day two guy. Um, he was reminding me that his nephew was playing on the team, and I played basketball with him. And he sent me a picture of of he and I and AC Earl, who got drafted to the Celtics, the same year I got drafted to the Oilers. And it was in black and white. And I was like, dude, yeah. why is everything that we have <laughs> nowadays in black and white? That's all right, but it just shows you the difference between then how the media covered us as athletes and how now with X, Twitter, whatever you call it nowadays, right. with with IG. You know, with um, Open Doors, with all these different uh, apps that now have access to these athletes, it's a part of the metric. You, you lost me. We,
1: I'm two, two 60-year-old guys here, Brent, <laughs> and we were both born in black and white, so our whole childhood <laughs> are black oh, and white pictures to uh, tag true. that.
2: Uh, and, and we are, and, and forgive us for, for not letting you talk because we both You're are good. so excited about you being here. Yeah, uh, I I would say arguably the most underappreciated Euler-Titan First-round pick, blindside. You got to cover, you know, Moon and then, uh, 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 God, who was the good-armed quarterback that moved?
1: Pastorini? Uh, no,
2: Chandler. that's too old. Had Chris, Chris Chandler, Chandler. And then they went to nine. And you played, I think, 194 games, 188 started, Pro Bowl and uh, All-Pro. All-Pro is better than Pro Bowl. That means you're unanimous. You the best you can do, Joe, in the NFL draft is to draft an offensive lineman, park him there for ten to thirteen years, and not have to worry about it. You were exactly what you were the model of what a first round pick should be.
3: Employee of the year, Brad.
2: Honest to God, you should have had that first
3: parking space. <laughs> and how about that? I, I started out as a tight end. What you did. Had no idea wow. about playing offensive lines. Matter of fact, I ate my way to tackle as a freshman. No, Le- did, true right? story. True story. That's who who were you recruited by besides Illinois? You had to. Well, in this States. way, I was an Illinois fan as a kid. I had I'm sweatshirts to from middle school. Yeah, right. Yeah. I had sweatshirts in middle school. I, I just knew that that was the university I wanted to attend. Now, I went to Michigan. I went to, you know, uh, Iowa. I went to um, Louisville. I went to a few other places that just to fill the five visits that I had coming to me. You know, I did that. But all in all, I wanted to be part of Jeff George's Illini offense. Mike White was the head coach at the time. But one recruiting tool that was used against me was the fact that Mike White was going to get fired. I didn't believe it at the time. But it did come down the pipeline a little few weeks before the letter of intent was to be signed that, um, that he was no longer going to be a part of the process. So, you know, I verbally committed to another school. I won't even mention their name because it just kind of got Hannah's. Um, nobody
2: listens so you can you can you can, you can say you can, <laughs> just, no hey, nobody this will never get <laughs> well, out
3: actually because I, then it's a rabbit hole i have to travel down as to why right. i actually accepted uh, the whatever so i don't want to go there well
1: you went to high school at moline was it moline that's moline not, illinois that's not far from there so you, you were you were kind of 30 miles yeah you were you were kind of lived yes. the life of i want to go to U of I.
3: now joe the thing is i grew up on the iowa illinois border right on the mississippi river okay so the university of iowa in iowa city was only 45 uh, minutes from where i grew up and most of the people that lived where I lived, worked for John Deere, came from Iowa, you know, got jobs in the Quad Cities, which is what it's called. So there was a huge uh, representation of Hawkeye fans where I grew up and I couldn't stand it. Now, Illinois was three hours almost on the eastern border of Illinois, so it wasn't far, but still, we had our fan base there, but just not near as much of a presence as the University of Iowa. So I was really trying to do everything I could to be against Iowa. Now, Iowa had a great campus. Uh, Kirk Ferentz was the one that actually recruited me as a tight end coach uh, before he ended up getting the job, right? That's a long it's time ago. long time, time. Yeah. yeah. So um, John Makovic ends up getting the job after – Mike White was was let go, or actually he resigned, so that way the school wouldn't get the death penalty. And uh, he reached out to me the next that that evening and said, "Hey, uh, Brad, we still want to extend you your your scholarship as a tight end. We'd love for you to come play for the University of Illinois." I said, "Hey, I'm I'm down. Let's go." So I went down there. um, Had gained thirty pounds over the summer, on purpose. No. Okay. Because I did it the wrong way. <laughs> that have hops and barley in it? You know, the funny thing about it is Hop, I, I was even thinking about this just the other day, John. Had I been more disciplined as a young athlete, I probably would have traveled the career that my son is traveling now because we're built the same. Mm-hmm. This is my natural weight. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm 250 pounds right now.
2: You know, I went you're to, in great shape. I appreciate Brad. you, that. You me. look you great. Do. You my look wife tremendous. texted me yeah. and said tremendous. I told her I said he's she just texts back that you were yeah. coming out. She texts back. This is simply He's handsome. <laughs> <laughs> like Honey, well, I you know I
3: get these texts. Right. <laughs> well well, I was three hundred and forty six pounds at my highest. Ooh. So I had to lose a whole like eighth grader, you know, to actually get down to some sort of healthy status, you know? Um <laughs> But had I been more disciplined as a young player, who knows what my career would have turned out to be. I'm not looking back at it second-guessing the things that happened after that because it was in my future. It was what it was. But what turned me to football, fellas, was the fact that I could have the ball in my hands. I was a basketball player by trade. I loved playing basketball. And the way that I could play basketball on the football field was what? Catching it as a tight end. Well that was taken away from me. Now I'm sitting there blocking for somebody. Right. Like that was no fun in blocking. Like when now, you pick a when you play a pickup game in the street, right? Right. I want to be left tackle. No one not. ever says that. <laughs> right. No one ever says that. So I was like, what are you doing here? But yeah. It, it there, worked out. There you go. All right.
0: Common sense would tell you not to look to Joe and John for this, but time for life lessons from Joe and John. Uh, Brad John uh, touched on it your longevity,
1: um, you you played practically every game in all seasons. That is purely amazing. Let's look, That is purely amazing. Oh, there's
2: something to, there's something. Well, yeah. that's
1: what my question's going to be is, did you uh, say, was that a goal that I am going to play? I'm sure it's every player's goal. But if you look at it now, I don't know a Titans line guy that's made it through a whole season, any of them, any of them. And you made it through every game in every season. And that
2: undersized.
3: Is, even back yeah. then you were yeah. undersized. So
1: what was your strategy or thought process? Was it that important to you? Or you just said luck? Did it just work out that way?
3: Never thought about being hurt. I never I never really was hurt in high school, college. Uh, I didn't experience injury. You know, As a matter of fact, friendly fire was the first major injury I had when uh, we were playing Monday night football here at uh, what well, was then at the Philadelphia Coliseum. And uh, Bobby Hamilton was thrown into my knee and that was the first, that was the end kind of like it wasn't the beginning of the end, but it still was the first major injury I ever had to deal with. Um, But other than that, I just never really gave it much thought about, you know, Oh, you could get hurt. If you do this, you know, I remember when um, George Pickens was going through this whole situation about not blocking um, down at the goal line. And, uh, and he said, well, shoot, you guys get rolled up and stuff like that. Well, see, that wasn't part of my conscience when I was playing the game especially not in the trenches, you know. You're playing at a level like, you know what, I have to be angry and upset to play this game, so I don't have time to be scared about being hurt. Sure. That was my mentality.
2: It is remarkable, your your record.
3: And I want to go back, because this is
2: Evergreen, the life lessons of a young, single athlete in Houston, Texas, being told you're moving to Nashville, Tennessee. And to a person... You talk about a life lesson. You couldn't control where you worked, right? You got drafted by, you went to the team, and you were told you're going to Nashville, and if you pack them up, boys, and you're going to work in the double-wides, what you did, and, and to win eight games each year, people think, uh, eight and eight. I get so irate when I hear that.
1: <laughs> that was just Jeff Fisher. Uh, when he
2: called oh, the play, I didn't think eight eight. it worked. I, it just, oh, it makes me, because to win, <laughs> and you went six and two on the road, on the road in 98. In ninety seven, why isn't that more? Pre- but my point is, what life is lesson is to let you talk and say, what, "What was that like?" And did you think, "What have we gotten ourselves into?"
3: Well, first off, I wasn't single; I was married and had a kid on the way when we moved up. Well, that's
2: here. no show prep on my part. <laughs> hey,
3: way to go! That's You're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Bryson, uh, when we in in ninety six so close in ninety six, I yeah. came up with a, a, an entourage from the city of Houston to help support the referendum that was then on the table for, obviously, taxpayer dollars to help build the stadium.
1: NFL Yes
3: campaign. Yeah, exactly. So I remember driving my truck up from city Houston because I love driving and getting off on Broadway thinking, what the hell are we at?" I mean, it didn't look anything like, I think it was Hippodrome Nissan was still right, over there. In the, good. All these dealerships were still right there on sure. the edge. No glass buildings, no. right? <laughs> and Second Avenue <laughs> was not the Second Avenue that we know it to be today or Broadway from that you know standpoint. Nope. Um, it was different, you know, coming from the fourth largest city in America, you know, to where, uh, you could drive your car forever and never reach your destination. You know what I mean? That kind of space. Yeah. But then what Nashville reminded me of fellas, was my upbringing. Yeah. It reminded me of the quad cities just on a larger scale. Mm -hmm. You could get around comfortably. There really wasn't much traffic situations that we had to deal with then. Not like today. Today it's completely different. But um, coming up you know, with then my wife, Kelly, and I, we uh, you know experienced a little bit of the Nashville flavor and still weren't bought in completely because we still built a house in Houston at the time. But oh, no. a couple of seasons later, like after having spent some time up here in Nashville, because I remember this, our sports information director, and I can't remember his name, unfortunately – when we played the the Washington Redskins, and I did say Redskins because that's where they were back then, oh, sure. we played them in, in Neyland Stadium. How dare you! I know, I know. Nealand Stadium. Have you heard that they're, they're wanting the name back?
2: Is that no? Yeah. I have not heard they're, that. There are actually some some not, some, some Native, some, Native, Native some Americans that are actually pushing.
3: Saying- for the name to come back, mm-hmm. but either way, um, we were playing the Washington in yeah. Nealon Stadium. I guess maybe Bud wanted to get the, the temperature gauge on the city on the state to see how it would absorb Heath Schuler. I may have been quarterback for the Redskins, and that was part of the allure. Oh wow! How
2: about think, that? Yeah. How about that? about that? Yeah, I think. But that's right. That was the first yeah. NFL game, and it was at Nealon Stadium. It yeah. the, uh, not an exhibition preseason game. Preseason anyway, game. I so
3: no, but either way, um, he told us, "Hey, when you come to Nashville." because they started, you know, circulating the idea of us moving to Nashville. You're going to buy property there. And I was like, "No, we're not buying property anywhere because I already broke ground on a house and it's going to be done in a year or so." And uh, that's what happened. This had this this grand, you know, uh, situation set up down there. It was awesome, right on the lake. It was pretty cool. But I would be sitting down there in this brand new house I just built. What's going on in Las Vegas? Yeah. You know, what's going on in that? Na- I missed trees. I missed seasons. You know, and I hated humidity. So being in Houston in the summertime was excruciating. So I find myself wanting to be on that porch of the house that I bought in Houston or in Nashville. And ultimately I sold the house that we had in Houston and we moved up to Nashville full time. This was almost a year before the music city miracle. So there was an attractive quality about, about Nashville that I didn't even realize I'd become a part of. It was a beautiful little quaint town that turned into this, you know, Southern metropolis as, as we, as we call it nowadays.
1: Well, I, Brad, there's just a great humility about you and your hometownness that uh, you recognized with Nashville, and John's question kind of alludes to a young guy making a lot of money, ready to party his life away, sure. going to the big city, and uh, that wasn't probably as appealing to you with your lifestyle, and uh, Nashville's home, and as John's pointed out on many shows, that most of the players had said, oh my God, Nashville, but they never left. You know that most all of right. them,
2: you all live here, Brad. Have stayed, honestly, I it's a run into it yeah. it's all a the
3: time. Yeah, because of Nashville, cool. because of how comfortable Nashville makes you feel. Yeah, from even from a public standpoint, we don't have paparazzi here. Right. Even though you have some of the most famous people that live here in Nashville. I remember when I was standing in Green Hills at one of the Starbucks, you know, ordering a coffee, and I'm uh, just kind of looking around, looking around. Oh, it's Keith Urban standing right next to me. <laughs> Had no idea. First off, I, re- I knew Keith Urban was, you know, to a degree, because I really wasn't, you know, a fan of his music to that degree. Yeah. But the fact that no one brought attention to the fact that this superstar was standing next to me, I sure. thought, well, this is pretty cool.
1: And he only came up about waist time. Uh, yeah, he dude, did. Right? Well,
3: <laughs> I actually, the funny thing is, I, I went on to meet him a few years later at a, at a um, Kanye West concert. Um this is when he was married. To, he was still married to well, Nicole. Is he still married to Nicole? Yeah. Okay, good. I, so, I saw him at Brick Tops a few years
2: ago. That's awesome. And he left, left him alone. I made a short joke about him on TV, <laughs> that's it. and his publicist called and reed totally out with me. That's how this town I'm is. Kidding. It's yeah. funny. I made a short well, joke. Well, his his yeah. wife,
3: Nicole, held the door for me and my kids as we left the concert because I'd had enough of Kanye West at the time. <laughs> I, I'd had enough. He was going through it. it was There's too much blaspheming going on around the Yeezy tour. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You've okay. got, you got Angel was coming out of the stop it already anyway so we were leaving early and uh, I noticed Nicole was walking in front of me and she held the door as I walked through and I held it for my kids and I thought this was pretty cool Nicole Kipman sitting right in front of me well I didn't realize that Keith was walking in front of her well, you couldn't see him. Yeah, because <laughs> she, she towers. Yeah, right? right? She really does. But then... Uh, we're, as, we're, never, we're never getting him on the podcast, just, by the way, right? <laughs> okay, we've established that. But, but <laughs> as they then it. made the left turn to get in that beautiful black McLaren that was sitting in front ah. and center, uh-huh. I noticed who he was then. Boy, yeah. was that a beautiful car. And we had noticed it coming in. I actually said that to him. I was like, Keith, my kids were just, you know, they were drooling all over your car and he was like tell me a little bit My, about it and thank it you cool. mate <laughs> yeah he was right? really cool yeah. really cool guy but just goes to show you the climate of people and regardless of your infamy how you can still be accepted it was awesome amen rapid
1: rapid 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 rapid, 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 fire, rapid, fire, rapid, rapid fire rapid
0: rapid 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 fire rapid, 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 rapid,
2: rapid, i get off the set it's 10 35 john the phone's for you and it was a publicist. <sighs> Don't joke about his sight. Uh, rapid fire. Uh, <laughs> just random questions okay. uh, and we and they're never random and they're never quick. So uh it's we overpromise underdeliver. Joe, go. Just random.
1: Absolutely. Brad, uh, we'll start on that. Lots you've seen Nashville grow. We always like to talk about what's one of your favorite places to eat, favorite restaurant in town.
3: Well, it, it, back in the day it was Magianos. Just oh love Maggiano's. Sure. Garbage up, Yeah. In. Um, but my daughter has hooked me, hit me to this place called Bucaria. You ever heard that? Buc- a, yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's on Fifth and Broadway. It's in that little hole oh, yeah. section yeah, there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that and um, uh, what's the other steakhouse that's right there too? 12th and... Um, a
2: 1230 club? Tw- uh, a 1230 30 club. Sever- yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I Sever- love those
3: little eclectic pl- places to go to, but also love going downtown, dressing up, you know, and oh, valet yeah. and whatever, because yeah. you can do that nowadays in That's Nashville, right. you You can do but, that, yeah. Yeah, but I, I probably have to go, yeah, Magiano's is where my wife now, Krista and I, um, we started frequenting that when we were dating, so I, I still have a, you know, kind of a, an affinity for the place. Fabulous. Uh, and
1: I, on your daughter, my uh, my son, Joey, uh, was with your daughter in the master's program at Belmont.
3: Oh, nice. So nice. That is so cool. Yeah. Hey, man, nice. That's right. That's awesome. Very proud dad. Hey. Nice. All okay. right. I'll just leave. All right. Now
2: you're up. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's so I, awesome, I, Joe. I I, uh, I got burned out on Maggiano's because I was staying at the extended stay for six months while the condominium I was uh, moving into downtown was being built, and I stayed in not. Joking, I stayed in the Rob Barona suite. He's because he, he, would, oh, he wow. never bought a home here, I don't think, for a long time. Yeah, wow. as a kicker, you just so he lived in the extended stay, and they said, "I like the first four because I'm going to be coming and going." and, and they uh, and they put me to go. Yeah, this is this is where Rob stayed. So anyway, uh, R.I.P. So cool. Yeah. Uh so it's 1991. You're in champaign Urbana. You're driving your uh, your your Mustang or your Z or whatever it was. Your BMOC
3: and. In the cassette player is what? Oh, my gosh. It was uh, some MC Hammer, probably. <laughs> that or Heavy D. Remember Heavy D? I yeah. don't. I, run, I know Run DMC. Is that yeah. the same thing? No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> run DMC was three people. Okay. Heavy D was one. Well, <laughs> Heavy D was as big as three people, but he was just <laughs> one singular person. Uh, I listened to a lot of hip hop. Also, I got introduced to um, the genre of music called um, uh, House. House music. Going to school with a bunch of Chicago kids, yeah, it's kind of like a dance. It's a big disco house party, house party type music. Yeah, well, it's it's house parties, but it's uh, but it's more of a disco uh, dance feel to it. It's real. I mean, it's and the kids, all the kids coming out of Chicago, listen to it, and I I kind of got hip to it too. So I really loved me some house music.
1: Uh, we alluded to uh, Brad. You just are in tremendous shape. What's uh, talk about your routine? What's mm. your what what keeps you? John and I talk about health a lot at our age. Of that's the just number one goal. It, as you're fighting gravity, it just, uh, just staying in shape. Your health. What's what's uh, what's your workout routine or diet or stuff? What's what's your mental state of staying uh, healthy?
3: Well, you can always find me at the YMCA in Bellevue. <laughs> okay, um, I'll be always there on the on the treadmill. Starting off, actually, it's the elliptical because I can't do treadmill on my knees. I've got your knees knee. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, do uh, you? Oh, yeah. I got a brand new right knee. Got it in July last wow. year. Yeah. I saw Eddie George had both of his done. Oh, a couple just, weeks ago. Uh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait,
1: like recently?
3: Yeah, like a couple weeks ago. Holy cow. He literally got both of them at the same time. He, I, he asked, he called me, and he said, okay, Hop, I can't do this anymore. I need to, I need to get my knee done. And I said, you know it's, it's the best decision you'll ever make. He said, but I need both of them done. I was like, "Woo! If you can handle the rehab of doing both of them at the same time, it, you know what? Go ahead and do it because it, it shrinks the time of, of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, and he, hes a very active coach, you know, now at TSU. So he had to get it done, and uh, I applaud him for doing both jobs. Um, but for me, I break it up. I do a little boxing. Um, I do um, um, I do free weights to a degree, but most of it's metabolic plyometric stuff, um, and also it's it's really about your diet. It's really about what you put in your mouth. It's not fun anymore. It's like just what? not, man. What's your what's your route? Well, we have uh, meals prepped for us. Um, I was training athletes at Boost over in, um, in uh, Nashville, and Jesse Brown was a guy that started a company called Fresh Eats. Mm-hmm. And um, I would eat their meals because I was there working out all the time. Well, she, my wife got jealous, and she's like, hey, you know what? You eating all that good food, good healthy stuff, portioned out correctly and whatever else? Let's yeah. let's start doing that. So we order our meals from there, go pick them up on Mondays. So lunches and dinners are um, pretty much made out for us throughout the week. It, it it definitely controls your caloric intake. Controls how much you eat, which is a huge part of it too. The portions is a big thing because when you're eating something that you like eating, you continue Hachianos. to keep, oh, keep that fork going, right? Well, oh at some God. point you just gotta stop. Oh, so I just make sure that, yeah, and I do a little <laughs> fasting. You know, I don't. You know, I know they say that breakfast is the most important meal, but I don't usually eat until like two o'clock or something. So, oh, so, so on that line, what's the what's your guilty pleasure? Oh, everything! I it, just, I, mean, I still like to, you know, like um, my wife makes a mean brownie. Boy, I tell you okay. what, she she's 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 big on the the the, the desserts. Are you a sugar yeah. guy? As a salt, I'm a salt guy. I gotta try I'll and watch pizza. that because uh, I don't. I, I'm not predisposed to it by any stretch. But both my parents have diabetes, okay. and uh, you know, we just try and watch doing too much. I don't even drink milk like I used to. Mm-hmm. My wife makes it. She um, uses almonds and. All this other stuff. Uh, my to wife uses yeah. almond milk. Yeah, I'm that's like, what we do. Whoa. Yeah, so she, when she makes our coffee. Percent. It's almond it's like, milk. I still got. The I, WD-40. I love two percent. But you too. know what it was? Is I used to love cereal. You yeah, know, I used to too. love eating cereal. <laughs> but, but then when we stopped drinking the two percent milk, <laughs> I can't put right. that almond milk it's in my cereal. No it's just crap. weird. You got to have a it's line. Right. You got to draw oh, the line somewhere. We live the same line.
1: One more. What you alluded to it earlier, going into college. But what what advice would you give your eighteen
3: year old self now? Oh, my gosh, that's a great question. Well, first I'd say you should have started now, What you you know, what you're doing now then because <laughs> I probably would have been playing a completely different position. Um, just being disciplined to the things that you know are important, you know, and never losing sight of that. You can get distracted by so many different things, so many well-wishers of, of other people's desires and dreams for your career and the things they want to see you do. Just remember who you are and stay true to that. It sounds kind of cliche or whatever else, but that focus will help you in the long run. Because in a sport in a in a um, situation where you're pursuing sports as a profession, you have to realize that it's short-lived compared to the rest of your life. And the decisions and the habits that you develop then will carry over once that career is done. And you would hope that it's the right thing. So that way you can you know, continue to live a long life, a long prosperous life. Yeah, we're all idiots when we're eighteen, aren't we? We just every just single one up, of us. Think I about just... that. But think about this: how dumb you were as an eighteen-year-old, right? And then two years later, you're thrust with the most money you'll ever see in your life. You know, sure. at some point, you That's, know, if, 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 if you're if think so about that, difficult. right? So, would I much rather have had you know, a million dollars at the age of forty-two versus twenty-two? Absolutely, yeah, sure. But that wasn't the, that wasn't my path. Uh, my final question, Rapid
2: uh, Fire, is uh, Dead or Alive, give me a few dinner guests you'd like to have. Oh, Prince for sure. Good yeah. one, That's a great one. No one has ever said that. sure. That's a good one. Oh,
3: my gosh. what an unbelievable artist. Yes. Like so Underrated on
2: everything, and he was the best one, at everything. One of the greatest yep. guitar yep. players. Yep.
3: Tremendous. And, and drummer, and, and singer,
2: and writer, and it goes on and
3: on. In Alive, I would I would actually probably say, um, um, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm, Blanking on his name. It's okay, we edit that. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Samuel Jackson. Yeah. There you go. Samuel Jackson. Reason why is because Samuel's track to to fame was, it took so long. He did so many just BS roles and just cameoed in so many different things that you really didn't even recognize he was in there until he became one of the most well known and well respected actors uh, on the planet. So the fact that his journey took so long, it had so, much, so many ebbs and flows, I just wanted to understand exactly how he managed that, you know what I mean? Because, you know, that's the way life is. It's, it's never just a, a crescendo or just even a complete drop off. It, it, it's just like almost like the market. It's cyclical. You know, things yeah. come and go, come and go, come and go. And how do you handle the bad times? How do you handle the good times? And I wanted to learn that from someone that had obviously been through it. Joe and
0: John have come to The Fork in the Road. So many for you, Bradley. Where do we start? <laughs>
1: I'm going to start with your family again. Maybe that advice to your son, Bryson. Mm-hmm. Uh, great football player. Played here at Ensworth locally. Big, big school. Uh, and the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. So maybe talk about as a father... Uh, for a son what that was like for you to a offer advice and motivation not be overbearing overpowering like well here's how i did it let me tell you because uh i have as we talked, 24 and 22 year old sons you can give them a little bit of that mm-hmm. then there's kind of like okay dad yeah. great thanks a lot can't
2: live life. big war grandpa yeah. tell us more That's you know right. yeah what was it
1: what was the your your path like with your son of him going into uh college played at purdue i believe and then uh going into the
3: pros i didn't want to add any more pressure that was already put on Bryson. So I made sure that he knew whatever he did in life. I'd be proud of him because I have two more kids that aren't in the spotlight that I am just as much happy with their trek in life, with who they have become as people as I am for Bryson, who you know a lot of people know his name. So I didn't want to, you know, make him think that football was the end all be all. That's who you are as a person. I'm going to make sure that you do everything you can to do that. no, that's instilled in you already. He was, he was Big Ten title of the year for a reason. I didn't teach him to do that. You know, I really wasn't on the football field coaching him through any of those teams that won championships and Blue Cross Bowls. You know, but mine was to be a father and support his dreams and support um, who he wanted to be as a person. And when I hear somebody walk up to me and say, you know what? You know, all these kids hang out at Sonic here, and before they all leave, your son is out there picking up trash. Those are the stories that make me feel good. That make me feel like you know what I did the right thing by him because he's a good kid, and that's all that really mattered to me. Whether he's a football player or not, that's great. I would like to think one time he's just a smart aleck and said, "Hey, Dad, this
2: this is what a football looks like." I know you you play when you played. You you did have
3: seven fumble recoveries. How's that for show prep? Huh?
2: That's that's, that's we, pretty- we did
3: argue the fact that now we both thought ourselves to be basketball players in the future, right? Uh huh. So I told him, as a matter of fact, three weeks ago, I was out in LA and we were talking about it. I said, You know what? So I, I could probably still take you. And he's, I mean, he looked at me like I had three heads. Like, dude, <laughs> right. are you serious right now? Hey, you got a new knee. You don't even knee, have a new Grant. knee. Don't that's what he said, too. Don't you it. don't even have two good knees. <laughs> you're right. talking about an airport security. <laughs> <You're> but, <laughs> but I told him, I said, In my mind, I have to be able to think that way.
1: Yeah. Well, identity is what you're identifying uh, how we all live. As males, we all have our egos. And you can be in football, sports, entertainment, work in a church. But identity, of that everything ain't about you you know uh so that that's wonderful what, what, advice what, what, as Joe, a man what, for anybody it's uh, not who, about us no no john sorry john hasn't <laughs> learned that yet but he will. so talk, late bloomer uh, second tag to that story talk about the super bowl game that had to be great because you were in a super bowl and our only super bowl here for the tennessee titans and uh what advice or what did you feel like as you walked into the game? And you know, just it has to be great for your children to go. This is just fantastic.
3: Well, the thing is, Bryson didn't get much activity that year they went. It was his yeah. second season. He's behind a pro bowler and Tyler Higby. Um similar situation is going on today. Um Joe gets hurt, or excuse me, Tyler gets hurt. Um, Johnny Muntz, who is now in Minnesota, uh, was on the injury list. So in comes Bryson into the game. And he was mentally ready. We weren't ready as his family supporting him in the end zone for him to get in there and make four catches for 49 yards and help them win this thing. But when he got in there, we were like, you know what? He's ready for this moment. And he made catch after catch after catch after catch, we thought, you know what? This is fantastic. Then I looked to my right, and here comes Kevin Carter, bounding down the aisleway to come hug our necks, he and his son Zion, who were attending the game, they were almost um, synonymous with how we all felt. Their excitement watching Bryson participating in the game and having the game that he did, it just kind of made things full circle. Here's my former teammate sure. who he and I are standing here like jumping up and down. Look like, look at Bryson. You know, so it was just fun. And As a matter of fact, on my podcast, uh, he, we talked about that. He thanked me for allowing him to be a part of that memory of ours, you know, and seeing us all sitting there, you know, my wife Kristen, you know, uh, the kid's mom Kelly, her husband, uh, my my kids uh, Gentry and Colin, and we were all just there wearing our '88 jerseys, proud, and to see somebody else that had won the Super Bowl with that same franchise because Kevin did that before, you know, playing us in the Super Bowl, yeah, (laughs) to come bounding down the aisle and just really be so excited for. You know, what he was watching my son do. That was that was really exciting.
1: When Bryson comes home for Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, does he wear the ring? Oh, he's got to wear the boy. Does he flaunt the hey, ring? Oh,
3: crazy. He hey, so, Dad, you want to see this? I said, Bryson, so, so, you know, when I first saw him after he got the rings, it was a few, couple, few months afterwards when I got the rings, I said, where's your ring? So he goes upstairs to his room. And he lifts the cat bed where his cat slept, <laughs> and the ring is under because he put it in the least obvious place that anybody would want to see. You know, there you go. he kept his Super Bowl ring under the cat bed, awesome, upstairs in his bedroom. So, <laughs> where's is your it, AFC Championship? Yeah, it's, it's in my office. Is it? Okay, it's in <laughs> my <laughs> office. It, it's it's there's dust all over it because I keep it in the box. But I don't, you know, Bryson doesn't wear jewelry. It's not, you know, I don't think he's ever going to break that thing out because nowadays, it's, John, it's they're a, so gaudy. You know it's, what it's I mean? A, it's a manhole cover. Jeez, why <laughs> would you make a
1: ring like that? They're Jeez, horrible. I
3: mean, you They're don't... Wait, horrible. And you almost look silly walking around in public with this big yes. old massive watch-looking thing on your finger. Yeah, right? that's no, I,
1: mean. I
2: agree. That's never been I, a
3: proponent. That's funny. You gotta wear
0: shades.
2: I can go on and on and on, B-Hop. Yeah. Uh, but point. we gotta wrap this up. But I want to talk about... You mentioned the podcast. I'm jelly because you have video with that. You get it. You were in sports broadcasting. Uh, you've had a number of successful... Post titan careers you've you're a pillar of the community tell
3: us about this it's called the hop right on the hop on the hop okay like you know when again, your coach show says, prop, on it? the hop yeah. you know that's so that's where i kind of got the idea okay. if i'm on right. the hop but then you know it's now you're on the show with me brad hopkins <laughs> so it's I kind of yeah whatever
2: i, I, I got you yeah, so, so in my own words and it's on all the forums and all that right or all yes the, well all the actually or? The,
3: the zone just bought it 104.5 the zone oh nice so it's going to be on their um on demand and podcast um uh tabs yeah so if you go to 104.5 the um you'll be able to see you know the episodes that i've done the episodes i'm going to do because i do a lot of fill-in work for them too so it just kind of makes sense you know for me to you know at least house it there they've got all the you know the things that i would need from uh, a fan base you know sure and, and the thing is i wanted to diversify the guest list because
1: name a couple what's the tempo of the show
3: oh, um Vince Gill was one of my last ones. Oh, great. He was Yeah, be incredible. a name dropper. Go ahead. Yeah, right. uh, Taj George, Eddie's wife, who was with um, Sisters with Voices. That's correct. That's right. D- right. Back in the day. Back in the day. So I had to have her on. Yeah. Um, obviously, Kevin Carter was one of ours. Tony bacelli Remember Tony Baselli from the Jaguars? First round pick. He, yes, He's they
2: he, I was in Jacksonville when he was picked. I worked mm-hmm. in Jacksonville TV and they parked him there for 10 years and he, H.O.F. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gramps Morgan.
3: Good. He's another one, the reggae artist. I mean, one of the most um, accomplished reggae artists. He lives here in Nashville. Matter of fact, we go to the same barbershop. So it, it has a Nashville feel to it because there's a lot of local celebrities that are involved. You know, but I do talk to the Kirk Morrisons, you know, some of the people that are outside the market. But I just like to spread it around, mix it up a little bit. Kayla Anderson, she's on uh, the Ramon, Kayla, and Will show, Drive Time on The Zone. So she gave me her, um, her history on the show and I just Perfect. kind of like talking to different different people about different stuff.
1: I love it. We love Nashville. Brad's reflecting that and it is such a great place. We that's, that's really why we started our uh podcast here just to talk about our experience of growing up in what's just such a great city. You you have sponsors, right? Well we don't, we don't we don't have sponsors. We have not, not, we're not
2: we haven't, we haven't, we haven't grown there yet. Not oh, yet. Oh so you're our competition. Oh, we're going to get our ass That's kicked. That's it. All right, we Joe don't have it. Joe, we you don't guys do a great job. We have to go we have job. to
1: go back. We have to go we can get back at the end of the line. It's fun. Uh Brad, we uh, the blessing for you is your great humility and uh, reaching out to others and uh, I think you find yourself now at your age as a, a mentor. There's so many our young kids. Wow. What a different life with all the phones and all the available of information and sharing and such that you uh you're a mentor to a lot of these folks so uh may god bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you in your leadership in this new direction and the folks that you still
3: are yet to reach do i have 30 seconds to tell you a quick story you got absolutely rip so i'm watching the last titans game and um I just wondered if there were any '72 jerseys in the stands, right? Just sure. <laughs> weird thought that you have, right? Um, my your, wife,
1: your jersey with the Titans. My
3: wife um, shows me a text message she got from a dear friend of hers um, a couple days after the game, and it was the fact that there was two kids that were getting ready to go to the game. One of them had on a '72 jersey, and the conversation was, "That guy doesn't even play anymore. Why are you wearing?" She's listening. She's eavesdropping to this conversation mm-hmm. between these two boys. The boy looked at her. The other one boy looked at the other boy, and he says, "I don't care if he's playing or not. He's done a lot of great things for the humanity." Now, whether I've done wow. a lot of great things for humanity, wow, okay. that it, it actually, being honest, it brought me to tears. Sure, sure, because I don't really, you know, wear myself out like that to be, you know, a public figure by any stretch, but to have somebody recognize some of the things that I have done, some of the relationships that I have built, and the things that I have accomplished, I thought that was amazing. And for twenty five years, being now that I've almost played the game for somebody to wear my jersey to the game. And then the reason why it was because they liked me as a player. Not not necessarily a player, but as a person. That really made it. That, made that is proud. a mic
2: drop. And mic I'm drive. not making this up. I went to the final game, uh, was able to be in a suite with some mucky mucks. And down below, not making this up. It could have been the same person. There was a 72. And then there was a cursed jersey. And then just below that was Y check. And I went. And they Oh, I you don't shut know. your mouth! I'm not yeah, kidding, good. and I just and I remember, I just remembered this looking down, and they were sitting in. The, sorry, they were sitting in the handicapped area. I think on the railing, so <laughs> maybe, maybe I should have left that part of the story <laughs> out. <Maybe.
1: laughs> that's all right. Yeah, but
2: anyway, you build an upgrade. But time. but no, that's fantastic, <laughs> Brett. We are so thankful for you be, being on the second cup of Joe,
0: and John. It's the second cup of Joe, and John as their guests expound on any and all topics within the realm of decency. Want to be a sponsor? Let a TV and radio guy help build your business. Email the show, John at gmail.com. Now, hold on tight and grab another Second Cup of Joe and John.